we are really, really especially blessed to have a woman of God in our midst knows that name, knows the power of that name, knows the anointing present in that name, and who ministers that name because she's just known him. And I'm so excited to hand this pulpit over to Sylvia Evans. Would you mind coming here so we can pray for you? Those of you who have walked with Sylvia for a while know that she has overcome and the Lord's grace has this healed her cancer. She had the heart thing we were all praying for a while back, and she is back stronger than I've ever seen her before. Praise God. Hallelujah. Would you please extend your hands to the servant of the Lord today and bless her along with me. Father, we receive this gift of God and we receive the gift that will pour out of her today. Thank you for all the richness of anointing and ministry that's embodied in this vessel of honor. We're so grateful for her. Pray that you'll pour out fresh strength on her, fresh anointing on her, that her lips will magnify your name with every word she speaks. We, we say in Jesus' name that our hearts are open wide, our inner man is ready to receive, that this would be the engrafted word of God, doers of the word and not just hearers. Come, Jesus, and fill our hearts fresh with the word of life. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you please give her a warm hillside welcome? How are you this morning? Where are all those leaders? How are you this morning? Did you rest well last night? I, <laughs> I did too. Thank you, Jesus. We had a fabulous time. I've never been happier than I was this weekend. I'm, I'm really telling you the truth. And, uh, and they listened and they responded. And God worked in the midst of us, and uh, you'll get the outflowing if you weren't there because they're newly, freshly anointed and appointed by the Spirit and by their leader, and grace was extended. Well, I want to reference right back to what the intercessors received this morning, the testimony that was given here. Thank you, Patty. I think it was a simple message but it's the most profound and most personal, and it is that he is still God. No, they didn't say still. Just he is. Because that's his nature, that he is God. He is the great I am. Always is, always was, always will be, never has changed. And there is no God like him. I'd like you to listen for a bit of one day he talked to me about it all. But the second part of what Patty shared was that he is God. I may not have gotten the, the bridge from this thought, he is God, over to this. But in heaven and earth, he is God over all. He is God in all. Is that right? 
So one day that thing gripped me. So thank you, Patty, and the intercessors for this affirmation. And I just began to write from nature and from nations and from history of the people of the earth in whose lives God proved to be, not just God, but I'm going to define him this morning, as the miracle-working God who can turn things around. Will you speak of him that way with me now? The miracle-working God who can turn things around. So for this, you just listen and, and think and remember, be reminded. And if it's from the Bible and you don't know the story, go find it because that's where you and I in our personal lives get our reference, our reference points of what he did for them. All right, just hang on. I'm flying, all right? I couldn't write it fast enough. The revelation of it was so strong for me. He's the miracle-working God who can turn water into wine, bitter water to sweet. Let me just hold the paper. Bitter water to sweet, death to life, fear to love. He can turn <laughs> gray skies to blue, blue skies to gray. Tempest into peace, peace into tempest, weakness to strength, strength to weakness. David said, he has weakened my strength, by the way, on the road. I know about that. But watch him turn night into day and day into night, darkness into light. Blindness into sight. He has covenanted to turn winter into spring. It's one of his first big covenants with men after the flood and after the creation and after the flood. Winter into spring, spring into summer, summer into autumn, and autumn into Winter. Tess came in this morning telling me it was a winter wind. See him turn green leaves into red and red leaves to yellow and yellow leaves to brown. This is all the creator doing this. Green grass. All right, kids, you'll like this one. He turns green grass to white milk through a brown cow. Will you remember that? He turns green grass to white mouth through a brown cow. He turns a brown worm into a yellow butterfly. An egg to a larva to a chrysalis, that's a cocoon, to a butterfly. He can turn rain to sleet and sleet to ice and ice to water then water to snow. And where I live, he does it all. He can turn a wilderness to a garden, standing water to dry ground, and dry ground to 
to a flood. That's all in the Bible. But you may have watched him do it. We're somewhere near the great Susquehanna River, aren't we? I drove here through the after the flood way back when, in the 70s. Thank you. Whoever said it, you remember it. When we came through Corning and the watermark up on the building of what, 20, 21 feet or something. 14 is enough. I don't know what it was. My, my greatest memory of that was driving through, I think it was Lawrenceville, and everything that had been inside the church was outside. It literally, physically carried furniture out, and then they just decided to bring all of it out. It emptied the church. They got renovated by that flood. When you talk about the flood of revival, all right, that's the other sermon. Okay. As for people, he can turn an enemy to a friend, a captive to a captor, and a captor to a captive. That's what I'm going to preach. He can turn a victim to a victor. And he can take the one that thought he was the victor to a victim. He said he would turn, and may it work in your community and even here in your family. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. But he'll turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. He can turn a barren woman to the mother of seven and a beggar to a rich man and a rich man to a beggar in the dealing with God. He has the power to turn leprous skin to baby skin. It's on record in the Word. He can turn a cripple to one running, leaping, and praising God. That's John, Peter and John's ministry in Acts chapter 3. Anybody here got this testimony? He can turn cancer cells to healthy cells. He can turn burned skin to pink flesh. I've seen it when he's done it. He can turn withered arms to working arms. It's in the Word. But there are others who've experienced these miracles. We have the testimonies of people. And so it comes down to this. He's the God who can turn a test into a testimony. He can turn a mess into a message. He can turn a trial to a triumph and a crisis to a Christ-glorifying event. He can turn a lion's den to a place to sleep in peace. Ask whom? Answer. Come on. Then. All right. Now, this is a Bible test. You're expected to pass. Been doing this all weekend, testing your pastor. All right. So let's all practice this one. A lion's den to a place to speak, sleep in peace is... A blazing furnace into a cool place to walk. 
when I was a choir director, uh, I brought the, the the Baptist. We brought the Baptist kids and the Presbyterians together in unity, in a musical. Do it sometime here. It's cute. It's cool in the furnace. Was the name of the musical for the children. Where are your children's director? You'll love it. An isle of lonely exile to a place of not only visitation but revelation. Who's that? John Ware on the Isle of Patmos. He can turn a pit to a place of promotion. Joseph, a prison to a place of praise. Paul and Silas, a tomb of death to a womb of life. Lazarus, first, he did it for Lazarus, then God did it for him. A cross of shame to a trophy. Any, anybody in the house, men or women, wearing a cross, a cross? Anybody this morning? There's one. To a trophy to share and to wear. Who did that one? Jesus. A thorn in the flesh. To a gift of grace. Paul, you must be teaching the word around here. A loss to a gain and a gain to a loss. Who counted everything but loss? Took it out of the gain column and put it in the loss column. Everything that was gained to me, I wrapped it up in one great big fat zero. Then I knocked the edge off the zero. A crucifixion to a resurrection. This is easy, Jesus. And over and over and over, a prayer to a prophecy. Just think of anybody. Hannah, crying to God. And it became a prophecy of the child that she would have. He does turn. A cry of the heart to a promise of hope. He does turn a great grief to a source of great comfort, not only for the one who was grieving, but for many who received the testimony and the ministry. He does turn a misery into a ministry. I could give you so many testimonies because I have seen him turn a weeping widow into a wonder worker with miracle ministries, displacing the pain. I have seen him turn a desperate divorcee into a merry missionary, not married, married, as a single woman who goes to the field with children. The people said, oh, oh, a divorcee, be a missionary? Uh, I don't know if we can send a divorcee a missionary. And she does have two children. You know, be such a burden. She became an apostle over a nation. I have seen him turn a messer-upper to a cleaner-upper. 
I've seen him turn a destroyer into a deliverer. I'm talking a person that had a path of destruction behind him. And he became a man with a ministry of deliverance for many. I have seen him turn a wounder into a healer. It happened when Paul and Silas were in prison. And that one who had 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 them beaten and put in stocks and bonds, and it wasn't Wall Street. And he came running into that prison where all the windows and doors were blown out and everyone could have escaped. By that time, who was the warden of the prison? By that time, it was Paul and and Silas. And they said, no, we're not going anywhere. We're free, but we're staying. And that happens to people who are in situations that feel like prisons, but the grace of God sets them free in the prison, and they stay in the prison until the jailer himself, who might be another member of the family, comes falling and saying, tell me, what must I do to be saved? If you've stayed with me, if you've stayed in the situation, one man who came home after being gone for the second time, leaving his wife, the first time there were no children. And then God answered the cry of the barren woman. And I have permission to tell this testimony. And they had three beautiful children, wonderful children. And one day he decided that he needed to find himself somewhere else. After 11 years, did God bring him home or was it the cancer that brought him home? And he needed someone to take care of him. And in the course of that, of course, she said, that's all I've ever wanted to do. And she had stayed faithful, faithful, faithful. Somewhere in the course of that, with tears streaming down his face, he said, how did you do it? Do what? How did you stay? How did you wait? Why did you wait? And she said, one day, if you really want to know, I'll tell you. He said, let's do it now. And she went and got just a plain old grocery bag, plastic bag, which are outruled in our state right now, but they're very handy things to have for most anything. And she had a bag full of cassette tapes of prophetic words that had been given to her. She, she was at one of my conferences. A lady from Texas was there in Georgia and stopped in the middle of her preaching and said, you, the one in the orange shirt, Yes, you. And she started prophesying how God's going to bring that man home and in what state he would come of humility. And God used them in powerful ways. Testimony.
Keep reading. He can turn a wounder to a healer. A hinderer to a helper. Here's a Bible quiz for you now. In the Bible, we see him turn a sinner to a saint. Well, any, anyone would be that one, but the sinner woman. A cheap cheater to a generous giver. Who was that? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Right? And Jesus said, come on down. I'm going to your house for lunch. And what happened? It doesn't say that Jesus said anything about cheating. <laughs> but suddenly Zacchaeus is repenting and saying, Master, I tell you, if you just let me out of this house, it's a little tense in here right now. Let me out. Let me out. Let me go. Make everything right. I promise you I will return fourfold everything I've ever stolen. That was a day of jubilee in that town. A cheap cheater to a generous giver. My, my time in Georgia, uh, I was there for 32 years before you mentioned Paul Johansson's book out here. But I say the voice of Paul Johansson sounded a lot like the voice of God. Or was it the voice of God sounding like the voice of Paul Johansson? He was the president of Elam and calling me to come, leave Georgia, come back, and teach at Elam, which I did in 1997. But uh, I was going to tell you a story. I'm going to leave it right now. It can turn a dying thief to a person in paradise. Maybe you've never heard of the book or read the book, but there's a book from early 1900s by a lady named Rebecca Sprague Springer, and then she added another name after that, Her Dream of Heaven. And one of the things, for four days she was in coma. They thought she was dying. She was actually being healed in those four days. But she, she felt it was longer than four days that she was in heaven. But one of the things was people breaking through into heaven as deathbed uh, converts and the surprise at all the glory and everything, but they didn't even know how to worship. They didn't know anything. And there was someone assigned, you elders, you're learning here. He, he had people assigned to meet them at the gate and take them and give them their first lessons on Jesus, their Savior. They had just received him on a deathbed. Isn't that amazing? And they went through classes on worship and all of that. It's, beautiful. it's really a beautiful story. He can turn a dying thief to a person in paradise. He can turn a jailer to a healer, that's Philippi, a persecutor to a preacher, who's that? Paul, Saul. A Christ critic to a Christ proclaimer, that also is Paul and others. An adulteress 
to a lady evangelist. Whoa, the woman at the well. A demon-possessed woman to an apostle, and don't fight with me on that one. Her name is Mary Mag. She was sent to tell the apostles that he was alive. And he can turn a donkey to a prophet. He did turn a slave boy to a ruler of nations. There are two main examples, Joe and Dan. He turned a shepherd boy to a king. That's easy. Ready? Now get this one. He turned a proud king to a wild animal, Nebuchadnezzar, and then to a worshiper who could say, this God of heaven, he is well able to abase the proud. Abase means take them down to flat level. And so, parenthetically, you really shouldn't have to pray, Lord, humble me. It might be a little risky. God has a better plan, and it is the instruction of scriptures. You humble yourself, and then in due time, I'll lift you up. Jesus had an elevator parable. Whoever pushes the button to elevate, exalt means bring it out from there and up higher. To exalt himself, whoever builds his own elevator, somebody else knows how to bring it down. He shall be brought down. But whoever humbles himself, pushes the down elevator, shall be exalted. It's active voice, passive voice. Active voice, do it for yourself. It's really reflexive voice, do it for yourself. And then whoever humbles himself or herself, somebody else will exalt. He shall be exalted, passive voice. So that proud king, Nebuchadnezzar, he can turn a fisherman into a fisher of men, you know the four. He can turn a son of thunder to an apostle of love. Who's that? John and James. A cynic and a skeptic to a worshiper, Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He can turn a failure to a faithful man, Peter. A denier to a confessor of Jesus. Of course, that's Peter too. A doubter to a believer. Well, I'm not going to believe my son Jesus. Hi. Hey. Hey, Tom. I'm sorry you didn't come to church the first night. But I'm back. Here. Here. Put, put, put your finger right there. Have you ever had a nail go through your hand? Or anybody ever had a nail go your, through your foot? I mean, people do it. Eight days later, are you wanting somebody to... No. Oh, uh, yeah, and you, you, you said you wanted to see my son. Here, hit me right there. Anybody ever had surgery down there? And the doctor comes at you like this, and he's just going to probe, and you go, <laughs> don't touch it. 
What's the message of the scars? I told it to the leaders. What's the message of the scars? First message, I have been hurt. Second message, I've been healed. And that convinced Thomas. He can turn a quitter to a quill master. And they were writing with quills. Who is that? John Mark. Wrote you the Gospel of Mark after he turned around and went back and didn't go with Paul and Barnabas. He can turn a Roman centurion to a Christian witness, Cornelius, a house full of people. Are you still with me? Do I still need to convince you? He has turned the rejected stone into the chief cornerstone. Who's that? That's Jesus. I personally have seen him turn a drug addict to an evangelist, an abusive husband, not mine, into a tender lover, a harsh father into a loving daddy, a complaining woman into a cheerful wife. I have seen him turn more than one ungrateful prodigal into a giving and caring son. He can turn the course of miserable marriages, of divided families, of diminishing ministries, of dying churches, and of distracted movements. He can turn the course. He can turn the tides of mighty oceans and of human history and of evil cultures and of oppressive governments and of unjust judgments. He has promised to turn sorrow into joy. It's one of the reasons I live to speak that promise. He has promised to turn mourning with you in it. Mourning without you in it is M-O-R-N. Mourning with you in it is M-O-U-R-N. To turn mourning into dancing and weeping into laughter and suffering into song. Does anybody believe that he is God today? Say it with me. He's the wonder working God who can turn things around. Well, I just gave you a run-through of Scripture and history and my ministry and, and the history of this church and all things that have been turned around, but I really need to give you the word here out of Psalm 126. If you have your Bible which is a very unusual thing for people in church these days, because usually somebody puts it up on the screen so they say, I don't need my Bible, and I can't imagine it. How do you do it without your paper Bible? I'm not sure. But anyway, if you have your Bible, you turn to Psalm 126. And I'm going to give you a few principles from this psalm. In the meantime, while you're going there, will you remember that Jesus went home to his hometown once he came out of the wilderness being tested and tempted and tried and challenged and mocked 
by that mean devil. And he came up out of that wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And the first place he went was to his hometown where they once knew him as just a little boy. I'm sure he was a nice little boy. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he never fought over toys. He went and got the new toy that Papa Joseph had made for him, and he brought it to the poor little boy that didn't have any toys. I know he was perfect and everything, but he was just a kid. And it did seem as though he was just a regular guy born of two parents on earth. And the relationship was so beautiful between Joseph and Jesus that people would say when he was full grown, well, isn't this Joseph's son? And it happened in Luke 4 when he went home for the first time. And he went into the synagogue because the Bible says that he was like you. He had a custom to go to church. He never missed on Sabbath day. And he went into this place and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You find it in Luke 4. And he was the one who that day, out of the congregation, I think it's a sweet pattern that they had in the synagogue, that even a visitor would be welcome to read whatever portion of Scripture they'd like to share. Try that for a service one day. Just read your favorite Scripture. And the Bible says in Luke 4 that he received the scroll, the parchment, from the minister. Minister means servant. So there was someone whose serv service was simply protect the parchments and choose whatever parchment someone wanted to read from. And Jesus said, I'd like, uh, could you give me Isaiah? And the minister went over to the bin, and he took the scroll for Isaiah, and he handed it to Jesus. And Jesus unscrolled. I can't do it. And he found the place. Say it with me. He found the place. So... Okay, if he could do it on a scroll, then you can do it on your cell phone. It's okay. But mine is, mine is all marked up where I know when I get there. And he found the place. And he started to read. The Spirit of Jehovah is upon me. He has anointed me. He has sent me. And you know all those things, and one was referenced this morning. To speak, what kind of news? Good news to the poor or the meek. And as he gives all those things that he was sent to do, it includes... broken heart, the person whose heart is broken. I've had a broken heart in the national, natural and in the emotional, but last year I had a broken heart in the physical. And I found out 
When the heart's broken, the whole person's broken. You don't function. But I am healed. And then it came on down to set the captive free. To proclaim, to decree. That's when the truce is made. Every prisoner is coming out of prison as a free person if he'll leave the prison. Paul and Barnabas stayed temporarily, but then they came out. And the administrators of the, time, of the town wanted them to leave quietly. And they said, no. We want the administrator of the town. We want the mayor of the town to come here and officially declare that we were wrongly imprisoned and that we are free to go free. Oh, who's ruling the town now? Who's the mayor? Paul and Silas. Things have been turned upside down. And they do that after the jailer has washed their wounds and got his wife up at midnight. Did he have to get her up? No, she lived in the prison. She got earth-shaken out of bed. And he says, now, could you prepare a nice meal for our guests? Paul and Silas. Everything turned around. And then Jesus went on to speak of the year of acceptance, the acceptable year, the year of favor, the day of vengeance of our God, when God avenges you. There's one day in history when all wrongs, past and present and future, were avenged. Can you tell me what day it was? The day that Jesus died was the first half of the vengeance, but the second part of the vengeance was the day of the resurrection when all wrongs have been resolved through the grace of God. And then he went on to say to comfort all who mourn and to do an exchange with them. And here's the exchange. I do this with people all around the world. As a representative of Jesus, an agent for him who has a direct connect with him, I ask people, would you give me your broken heart? Take it. Put it in my hands. But my hands can't hold one that is also crushed and contrite. Because a contrite heart has been ground to powder. And my fingers are crooked and pirated, can fall through. So I quickly take the broken and contrited heart and lift it to my Lord, my master, my commissioner to be one who takes the good news and who says to the one who has a broken heart, I have an exchange for you. Will you speak to the one whose life is turned to ashes, whose life is totally burned out, and there's nothing left that resembles what once was? Would you call that person to give up the ashes 
the ash heap, the ashes that even on Ash Wednesday, it's kind of kind of cute. The people show up to get a little circle of ashes on the forehead to represent repentance. But in the old days, you sat on the ash heap. You threw the ashes up over your head and it came down over the whole person. But you rubbed it into your countenance so there wouldn't be one shine to come out. So that people can tell that you are mourning whether over your own sin and what you've done to destroy and to hurt and to wound others and to ruin your own life, or if it's repentance for your people before God. But no smile, no joy, and no shine. I opened my Bible to the chapter before this. This morning, and it was, Arise, shine, for your light is come. To comfort all who mourn and to give unto them in an exchange program. If you will give me your ashes, I will give you beauty. If I didn't know that he could do this, I wouldn't want to do what I do. I wouldn't want to sit with one more broken-hearted person. I wouldn't want to sit with one more rejected child, abandoned by the people that were to care for her or him. I wouldn't want to sit with one more man who has lost the love of his life and taken her to a grave. I wouldn't want to sit with one more person who once proclaimed this good news to others and now needs it desperately because he or she has betrayed Christ and has walked away in sin. I wouldn't want to do it, and I have had the opportunity I wouldn't want to do it to sit even with government leaders who have brought pain and sorrow to their people because they were in it for them. And now they've met Christ and feel the burden of what they have done. I wouldn't want to sit with anyone with a broken heart if I couldn't say, I know a God who can what? Turn things around. I wouldn't want to do it if I couldn't say I know a Savior who can redeem your life from destruction. Sorrow turned to joy. Exchange beauty for ashes. Exchange, if you'll give me your mourning, I'll give you the oil of joy to put a shine on your face again. If you will give me, if you will let me, if you will let me take it off you, I will take that heavy spirit 
the spirit of heaviness. I always picture a big old Russian overcoat. I've been in Russia in the wintertime. Big old Russian overcoat. Let me take that off, and I'll give you the butterfly wings of praise. And for me, it's not only the praise of God by the person. It's when God starts praising you to say, you've been faithful, you've trusted me, you've done right by yielding. Come, thank you for repenting. It gives me an opportunity to do good things for you. Now let's go do good things for the people that you've wounded. And the Lord starts complimenting a woman who's been ravaged all her life with insults because of some physical characteristic. And she hates her body. But inside she loves God and the Lord begins to speak to her of her faithful heart, her worshiping heart, and that he can turn all of that around for her. When God starts talking back to you with his grace saying, thank you for still believing, thank you that you didn't turn against somebody because they turned against you. When God starts putting the puzzle together for you, and painting a pretty picture that came out of that mess where you were faithful. I want you to know he's a God who can turn it around. Let me give you a few principles out of this Psalm 126. Now, I don't want to read it uh, ecclesiastically, if you don't mind. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. I'm not going to do that, okay? Are you ready? Here we go. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, <laughs> we were like them that dream. This has to be a dream. This can't be real. What's going on? Then, nobody had to say, well, just sing a little song to the Lord. And come on, come on, let's think of something funny so you can laugh. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. I got the can't help it. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> All I could do was laugh. Are you telling me this is true? <laughs> we we thought it would never change. <laughs> Look at this. This is Sarai. Turn to Sarah. Sarai means a dominating woman. And she never dominated more than when she said to her husband, the stupidest thing I've ever heard a wife say. Go get another woman if you want a child. But when I've taught on it in Africa, I've had more than one woman come because she did that, because of the pressure, because a woman is nothing but a baby maker. And if she can't make a baby, 
or her husband, then the in-laws will drive her away. So it's real. Anyway, Sarai means one who rules by domination. And one letter in English changed. I got out of it. H came in. Yahweh. And this means princess, a woman, woman who rules out of relationship with the king. So Sarah is standing out there, and there's, there's little laughter. Laughter was a name given by God. Isaac means laughter. And she's standing there. It's a weaning day. Who knows how old he was? If you're 90, when you give birth to a baby, you don't want them to leave you. So it may have been that he was two or three by this time, but it's time for weaning. So they're having a weaning party. And Sarah's standing there, and there are women standing around there, and she's watching little laughter who was birthed through her because God turned things around. And he's playing out there. He's laughing. They probably got the neighborhood boys in, too. And, and, and he's playing, and he's doing such cute things, and she's standing there. Her heart is exulting, thanking God. And she doesn't know whether to laugh or cry, and then she realizes she can't cry. She can only laugh. And her mouth is filled with laughter. <laughs> Look at my little laughter. And all the women around her, come on, women, help me. All the women around her start laughing at her. Okay, here we go, women. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> and they're laughing at Sarah because she's laughing at Isaac. Because laughing is la laughter, laughter is laughing because he's full of laughter. He was born to laugh. And Sarah stands there and gives her testimony. The Lord, Jehovah. <laughs> has made me, <laughs> made me laugh. <laughs> I got to can't help it. So I'm sorry, but all I can do is laugh. <laughs> and all who see, all who see me laughing shall laugh. I watched it during what they called the laughing revival. That someone would be filled with the Holy Ghost and be laughing and laughing and slide off their seat laughing and, and, and holding their sides laughing and they couldn't stop it. And then the people around them started laughing at them and then the laughter would catch and all who see shall laugh with me. Say it with me. All who see shall laugh with me. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. And our tongue was filled with singing. And this is wonderful when the Lord baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and puts a song of the Spirit in you. And you can't help but sing. Now here's the principle. When the Lord turned again, the captivity, three things happened. Four things happened. One, we thought it was a dream. This is biblically stated when Peter was let out of prison. 
He was sleeping, expecting to be wakened up, maybe pulled by the hair, to be taken out for his head to be put on a block. And they were going to do the same thing to him that they had done to whom? James, the brother of John. They wanted to do it. Herod wanted to do it. It pleased the people. So he's going to do another one. And Peter was so totally resigned to that that he was sleeping in the prison until God sent an angel to say, not your time. Follow me. Get up. And you know where Jesus said, when you were a kid, you used to put on your own shoes and tied your own belt? Well, the angel told him, do it now. You're still a kid, okay? Put on your shoes, gird yourself, get ready. And when you gird yourself, you pull your robe up and tie it so it doesn't hinder you from running. Now follow me. The instructions to Peter never changed from the first time he met Jesus. Just follow me. First electric eye door. They went through that ward of the prison, got out there, got out there, got out there. Yeah, but the gate is locked. And there are guards all around. And the door just ushered him out and closed quietly behind. And the guards never knew where he went. They went to get him to kill him. And they said, where, 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 where's Peter? And the angel took him a little further, a little further. Turn there, turn there. Got him on a street, the street that leads to where the church is praying. And the angel departed, which is scary. Happened to Mary, too. The angel departed. But Peter said, oh, where am I? I thought it was a dream. But I know that building. Oh, I know what street I'm on. Oh, this is real. We were like them that dream. Second thing, our mouth was filled with what? Laughter. Third thing, our tongue was filled with singing. Fourth thing, then they said among the heathen, that would be the Gentiles around. Whoa. 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 What happened here? Their God. That Jehovah, that covenant-keeping God that they talk about and they sing about, that, that God has done great things for them. When your neighbors start giving your testimony, because they never thought you'd make it through this. They never thought you'd come out singing and thanking God. They never thought you would laugh again. And I have sat with so many people who never think they can smile at me. Oh, then it dawns on you, you need to give your own testimony. So the next verse is, the Lord has done great things for us. Whereof we are glad, meaning that's the explanation for why we're happy again. 
it's not because we went to a psychologist and told us, well, you know, if you'll laugh, it'll help you. Go to a comedy show. You need to laugh. No. Our God has done this. All right, principle. Sometimes, all right, let me, let me practice two words for you. First word in the, in the chapter. When. Say it. When. Then the second verse is then. All right, say the two of them. When. Then. Sometimes you never get a then until you've had a when. You never get a then until you've had a when. What's the, what's the then? The then is the laughter, the singing, the dream, the testimony. Sometimes you never get a then until you have a when. When the Lord does the miracle work to turn it around. But amazingly, there are times you get the then because you had the when. Excuse me, you get the when because you had the then. You started praising Paul and Silas. You started praising. You started laughing. You started singing by the Spirit. You started proclaiming, my God will turn this around. I am believing my God. All right, so, but sometimes you never get the then until you had the when, but sometimes you can get the when because you got the then. And you can praise your way through it. That's number one principle. Number two, it is because God himself is involved with you that things can turn around. It's not because you can change your circumstance. It's because God himself is with you. Then my mouth was filled with laughter. Then my tongue was filled with singing. Then the heathen gave testimony. Then I give testimony. But it started out of seeds of faith. And as we close the chapter, you're going to see how just carrying seeds of faith can lead to the harvest. This is the good thing that happens in verse 4. What happened back there, and of course it is when Israel came out of Egypt, it is when, it is when the deliverance happened back there that there is a reference point for all history, for all time, for all people. If God could free those people, he can do it for us. And it comes down. Or when Joseph was let out of prison. We use the Bible stories as reference points and proof texts that God can do it, that God can do it. And then you're with somebody who says, I know he can, I just don't know if what? He will. And that's where we turn them to places like this to cry to God. And on the basis of history, on the basis of his testimony about himself, on the basis of what he told the people in prayer meeting this morning that Patty told you, he hasn't changed. He still is God. And which God is he? The wonder-working God who can turn things around. Now you need your experience with him to build for you reference points in your own life when he has done it before. 
and you look back to those times and it builds faith for the future. It builds faith for the present. And you say the same God. I don't know whether I told this when I was with you leaders, but I'm going to just reference it again. That last year when I couldn't breathe, I could breathe. I was still breathing. I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk without. <laughs> After a heart attack, then I had COVID at that, but it was before COVID that I was already in that condition. Went back to the hospital seven times last year. Back to the hospital seven times because I couldn't get them. And it wasn't my lungs. Lung doctor got really, I thought he was not even nice to me. He said, I'm being direct with you because I'm trying to tell you there is nothing wrong with your lung. Now, he's not my usual doctor, and I'm not going back to him because I don't like his manner. But I, he told me what I wanted to hear because I was going process of elimination. So it was heart. My heart wasn't working. Six stints. And one day I decided, I said to myself, nobody else knew it. I said, there are many people fighting for me. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your prayers, those of you who did that. Many people fighting for me. But I said to the Lord, I'm going to set aside days and I'm going to shut myself in with you. Cass was downstairs in the office. Nobody knew what I was doing. And I said, I'm going to shut myself in with you because I want to teach my last two classes. And I want to be able to talk. I don't want <sighs> And I said to one of my friends later, I said, I began to remind God of all of the times he had miraculously healed me since I was a little girl. And I don't mean when Mama gave me ginger ale and ice cream if I stayed sick for another day. You know, it was nice to get if I was sick. I don't mean I got over a cold. I mean miracles. And I started to remind God. I said that to a friend. And she said with a smile, you mean so he reminded you? And I have a notebook, and I keep adding to it, memories of the time he's healed me, miraculous. And I was talking to another friend on the, foreign, uh, on the phone the fourth day. Yeah, well. And all of a sudden, I was talking like this, and she said, Sil, your voice. It's broken through. And I went and taught my class, and I was talking so loudly that it scared me. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. Am I talking too loudly? <laughs> you have your reference points. They're yours. They're your friends. They're your people who prayed for. They're the Bible stories. And you start reminding yourself, and it gives you faith to pray again, and they say, again, Lord, do it again. Turn again our captivity, O Lord. Turn it again. Why? Because they got back in trouble. They had another circumstance. The nation was in bondage again to their own sin, and now 
Will the faithful God be faithful to answer our prayers again? I listen to these words. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. What's that mean? Well, you've got the mighty Susquehanna. Do you have any other rivers? Do you have any other streams around here? Have you ever seen a stream? Okay. Have you ever seen a stream turn in a V? Pardon my crooked fingers. They're the only one I have. Have you ever seen a stream turn in a V? Where? Literally does it. I've never seen it. Usually, it turns like this. Are you? Okay. If you can show me the V, I need it. But most of the time, you can be standing there and it looks straight where you are. And it's not till down there that you notice it had started to turn. And you may never know where the turning point is in somebody else's heart, the marriage that I talked about. Nobody knew that that man had started to surrender. And one of the reasons he did, and he would do it in testimony, in marriage seminars with me and with our ministry. He said, it finally dawned on me, my wife and my mother were together. His wife moved in with his mother, with her mother-in-law. And they were praying together 24-7, not always in the same house. And all of their prayer groups in town were praying. And he said, it finally dawned on me I didn't stand a chance. When did it turn? Nobody knew that. But when it turned, it went the other way. You may not know where the turning point is. But keep standing by the stream and walking with it. It's going to turn. Now here's the ending of the story. As the streams in the south is one parallel, but the other parallel is this. The other parallel is sowing and reaping. Now watch the contrast. They that sow in tears shall reap. Enjoy, contrast. He that goeth forth and weepeth because there hasn't been a harvest for so long. And this is true for people in ministry. But I'm going to go sow more seed. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Because it's been such a famine. But I had to keep some seed in faith that there would be a time 
when it would be watered if thou scatter it. And he goes forth bearing this priceless, precious, treasured seed that has the potential of bringing forth fruit. And he's weeping as he goes. <laughs> but he shall. Doubtless. That means without a doubt. It's not only without a doubt that he will come again. It's when he comes again, he will have no doubt <laughs> that he is the miracle-working God who can what? Turn things around. <laughs> he shall come again. Doubtless he shall come again or come back, return with what? Rejoicing. But what's he got now? Not seeds, but sheaves. Those big old bundles of grown wheat. Fruit came forth out of my faith. And he'll bring it with him. With him is supplied by the translator. He'll just bring the sheaves. Look at the contrast. Contrast. Tears. Joy. Sow. Reap. Go out. Come back. Weep. Laugh, rejoice, seed, sheaves. Will you bow your head, please? I want you to say this to yourself and say it aloud for me. I'm listening today, not for myself alone. I should have given this to you to begin with. You'd listen better. Do it again. I'm listening today, not for myself alone, but for all of those whom God will bring to me or send to me or somebody else brings to me or sends to me for me to minister the good news to them. All right, open your eyes. That was your covenant with yourself. Now make it with me, okay? Were you listening to this message? Well, that's good news. Because if you were, I was going to start over. Okay, now, were you listening today? All right, now use your hands with me. The leaders are trained in doing this. Now the rest of you, loosen up and do this with me. Ready? Here we go. I... Am listening today not for myself alone. It's not all for me. You got to get it though. But for all of those whom God will bring to me or send to me or somebody else will bring them to me. Sylvia, could you pray for my friend? Does anybody ever do that with you? Will bring to me or will send to me. Don't put them down. For me. Come on. No. Point to yourself. For me. 
to minister to them. There can be three or four agents in there. Can be a friend, like Cornelius. Not, not Cornelius, the other centurion said, I'm not worthy to go talk to Jesus. Will you go talk to him? And that's when you get a phone call and they'll say something like this. You're Tina, aren't you? Wow. Tina. Um, 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 I don't mean to bother you t- today, but um, I-, I know you have you have a direct line to God. I, I, I don't know how to pray, but... And then she tells you the sad story and says, will you pray for me? She didn't come to her on her own, to you on her own. God sent her to you. Now bow your heads again. And if you're a husband and wife or a family, you might join your hands to pray as a family because God works with whole families. You might have children and you're all so happy together. And then there's this child whose mother died and the father is in prison. And you can't sleep thinking about that child. And somehow it gets worked out for that child to come to live with you. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your home. God may bring someone to you. Or he may send you to somebody. And now, in the name of Jesus, the one who left the ivory palaces of heaven and came down to be born in a stable. And we make it such a sweet story for Christmas, but it's not just for Christmas. You're not afraid to go into any kind of situation, any home, any troubled heart, any messed up family, any broken marriage, any community, any jail, any prison. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Christmas story, but we thank you that it's more than that. And now most particularly, I pray for those who might be in this place whose heart is cracked at least or some whose hearts have been shattered or broken. And we thank you now for what those who understand physical things say that you died of a broken heart. And when blood and water poured out When the spear pierced your side, that water and blood were from a broken heart. I don't know physically what happened to you, but I know that you're here as the healer 
of broken hearts. And I pray for any person who's in this place who's not been healed from a broken heart might today have hope and might receive. But I pray now for this congregation, and I ask everyone who's willing for this to just put your hands out before the Lord to receive. Will you receive this message that I gave you today as a trust for you to believe that you can be the instrument of healing for another person? You can bring them to the healer of broken hearts. You can bring a farmer whose, whose crop was ruined and he has no faith for a new crop. And you can bring him to a God who will see him through this dry season and then make him a prosperous farmer when things turn around. Every kind of circumstance that needs a miracle, you have the answer. Or maybe you don't, but today you would receive faith. And so as you hold your hands before the Lord, you say to him, I want to be an agent of faith. Give me faith. Bring the scriptures alive to me. Remind me of testimonies that I have heard. Give me testimonies of my own that are reference points for your wonder-working power. Now, open my mouth to speak when I see a need and say at least one name. What's the name? Everybody say it. Jesus. 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 Pastor, prepare. And if you want a song, you want an altar call. I'm available to minister, but what do you want to do? Shall we have a song? Let's all stand together. If you, if you want a fresh wave of the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be able to testify, you want to be able to open your mouth, you want people to know your testimony, you want to be able to share it. You want to give them reference points. And you want to be able to speak the name of Jesus with more freedom. I invite you to come and let's get a fresh anointing for just testifying, for sharing. Come to this side if that's the case. And if you need, if you have a broken heart or you are walking with somebody with a broken heart and you need that to be ministered to, why don't you come to my right hands here? And Pastor, you're going to take these over here and release some of your anointing down to your congregation. That is, anyone who wants God to use you more in testimony, and it ought to include the leaders that have already been there, so come on up, leaders, and you can help to pray for others who come. Is that good? And anyone else over here, you have a broken heart or you're walking with somebody with a broken heart, or you want that fresh anointing to minister to the broken heart, come over here and I'll pray with you. Pastor, anything else? Yeah, we don't have to have music to do it. They can come. They can walk without music. 
if they hurry, they'll get here before he gets to the piano. Okay? Come on. This is, you want a fresh anointing, a fresh release of faith to be able to speak to people in need. And over here, those who either have a broken heart or who want to minister to someone who has a broken heart. Yes. And just soft music will be good for praying.